one of the ways the gospel is often shared in America and other Western countries is with the focus on how much better the person's life will be right now if they just choose to follow Christ. We've probably all heard the idea that Jesus wants to give you a bigger house and a better job or some other promise of earthly comfort in exchange for following him. Our brothers and sisters in hostile and restricted nations can't use that approach. They know that the lives of the people they're witnessing to will get worse in the earthly sense if they commit to following Jesus. They might lose their jobs. They might get kicked out of their homes. They might even go to jail. But here's what these bold witnesses say. It's worth it. Even if you suffer, it's worth it to be in fellowship with the Savior who gave his very life for you. It's a very different message from the one we often hear in the West. This week, we're going to meet a bold evangelist who's sharing that message in the nation of Myanmar and seeing lives dramatically changed by God's love. We'll talk about the blessing of persecution right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're here today with uh, a new friend from uh, the country that has two names. Some people call it Burma. Uh, The government there calls it Myanmar. Uh, Our friend is John Biak, and he helps Voice of the Martyrs uh, distribute Bibles, uh, work with the church there, training up church leaders, encouraging the church that faces persecution. Uh, John, welcome to our studio. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's a great honor for me, too. I want to ask you first about how you first found out about Voice of the Martyrs, because I know uh, it it involves a book by Richard Wormbrand, a book that many of our listeners will have read. They maybe even have a copy on their shelves. Uh, So tell us how you first learned about VOM. When I finished my BTH in India, I went back to Mizoram, capital city, Aizol, and I was staying in Mission for Christ Training Center, the training center, which was dedicated by Reverend Dr. Richard Wombrand in 1991. When I went back uh, home to Burma from that place, the president of Mission for Christ gave me a gift, and the gift was uh, a book, Torture for Christ, written by uh, Dr. Reverend Richard Wombrand. And when I got back home, I opened that book, and I read that book, and uh, from the time I start reading the book, uh, I couldn't stop till I finish, and I could still remember uh, how the Lord touched me reading that book, and when I finished reading, I was in tear, tears, and that was the time God changed my heart, uh, my plan, my vision, and all my way of thinking. It was wonderful. By the way, for our listeners, you can get a free copy of Tortured for Christ at persecution.com. If you want your life to be changed similarly, we'll send you that book. Uh, John, 
you read that book years ago, and, and today we sit in the Wormbrand Center in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, a building named after Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. So it seems like God has has prepared you uh, for this work. It's amazing how the Lord brought me here, uh, except the, the name written in the Bible, the most I admired and I respected are uh, Watchmany and Richard Wormbrand, and our ministry now has become a partnership, partners mission for of uh, Voice of the Martyr Ministry. It's amazing how God brought me here. <laughs> God works in mysterious ways. One of the challenges for you, and I think God used Torture for Christ to prepare you, is when you do ministry in Myanmar, in Burma, you probably will be persecuted. Um, how did God kind of call you to that ministry, and how did God prepare you to face persecution? After I read the book, Torture for Christ, all I wanted was uh, the gift of martyr. So when I was called in Orissa to be a missionary, and I went to Orissa in India as a missionary, I was working there. And when I was in Orissa, my prayer was that, God, if you count me worthy, to get the gift of martyr, I will be very glad to receive it. But uh, till today, it never happened in my life. And uh, many of our new believers, most of our new believers are persecuted be uh, because of their faith in Christ. They are persecuted by the local community, by their own family, their own parents. But whenever they accepted Christ, uh, we always encourage them that if the Lord doesn't count them worthy to get the kind of persecution, it will never happen. Because I have been traveling so many places where there are lots of persecution. I am never beaten even a single time. All I wanted was just experiencing a kind of persecution for the sake of Christ, but it never happened to me. So whenever I encourage to our new believers, if the Lord is not willing, and if the Lord is not counting, counted them worthy to uh, face a kind of persecution, they will never. So when they face a kinds of uh, kind of persecution, uh, they always praise God uh, because God count them count them worthy. So in your work, you really think of it as an honor to be persecuted. Yes, uh, we don't uh, we don't want to face persecution. We always try to uh, try to skip from persecution, but uh, if the persecution comes in comes before us, uh, we praise God because God counted us worthy to face persecution. That's a pretty amazing perspective for uh, American Christians to hear. That that you would think of that as uh, as an honor, as a sign of God's respect. How how do you prepare your workers? What do you tell them about uh, when persecution comes, when uh, the police come, or when their family members are, are attacking them? How do you prepare them to face that and to be faithful? We always encourage them to, uh, to run away from the persecution if possible. But uh, if it is not possible... We told them, uh, we encourage them to bear whatever they face uh, in peace and in prayer 
because uh, when they face a kinds of persecution, uh, sometimes they get angry and they try to react to them. But we always encourage them to show uh, the love of Christ in their face and the, in their action. And uh, uh, the reason uh, we always encourage them to express the reason why they are persecuted, because uh, it is because of their faith. So this faith, we encourage them to show that this faith is true, and this this faith uh, can take them to heaven. And at the same time, we encourage them to show and to share to them that uh, Jesus loves them uh, in spite of their uh, persecution. As I understand it, one of the first lines of persecution in Burma is usually family members. Mm -hmm. It's your father, it's your mother, it's your brother. Yes. Why is that? Especially Buddhists, uh, they think that Buddhism is the their religion. And uh, when the, someone accepted Christ and uh, especially take water baptism, they think that uh, they deny their tradition, their, they deny uh, their custom, and they deny uh, their relatives and their friends and their own parents. Their family members think that they betray their family members, they betray their religions, and they betray their tribes. So it's very, much, it's very much a cultural thing that that they're sort of turning their back on, like you say, their whole family, the whole tribe, the whole religion, and that's why the family responds. How do they work through that? How, how do they try to convince their families, wait a minute, I still love you, I still love the people of our tribe, uh, but I'm following Jesus now? Yes, uh, we always encourage them that they should uh, explain to their family that this is the way to heaven, and... Uh, this is the only way to heaven, and this is uh, the way of love, and this is the the way of Christ. So, whenever they are persecuted, uh, they are uh, they are kicked out from their families and their relatives, or from their village. Most of our new believers were kicked out from their village, and we let them live in a small hut for like two three months. And if we can help them build small houses. We build it and we let them move. Uh, and after three, four months, their parents uh, are a little bit cooler than the first time. So after four, five months, uh, our new believers could visit them uh, like once a week or once a month. Slowly by slowly, even though their parents hate them very much and they don't want them to come back to their house, they keep on visiting, showing their love showing their respect to them. In that way, later on, they can share uh, the gospel uh, little by little, and later on, they win their own family again, and the family member will be kicked out from the village, and we move them to other place. That's how the church is growing in our mission field. <laughs> so, so it's growing uh, one by one uh, as people are kicked out of their village, and yes. then they go back slowly and, and win Yes. Is that your experience? How, how did you come to faith in Christ? 
Uh, I was brought and uh, I was born and brought up in a Christian family, uh, but it is a, a normal Christian. I belong to Baptist, and it uh, in and in my age of twelve, there is a gospel camp in our native town, and I went there, and that was the place uh, I accepted Christ and uh, as my personal savior. But I was not very good in, I was not very committed in the church. And I never thought that I would become a missionary or pastor as I shared this morning because pastors and missionaries and evangelists are one of the poorest of the poor in our country. And I never wanted to become one of them. But the uh, God called me for uh, his kingdom and I'm here. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're glad you're with us this week on VOM Radio. If you hear something that impacts you as you listen, we'd love to have you tweet that out with the hashtag VOM Radio. We're talking with John Biak from the nation of Myanmar. John, we've talked a little bit about the family persecution. Uh, What is the government doing about the church? Is the government more open maybe than they were a few years ago? Are they still persecuting as well? Uh, the government is not exactly persecution, persecuting Christian, but they encourage the local community to do it. But they are uh, doing it behind the screen, uh, behind the curtain. And whenever we are called in the government office, they they would tell us that any kind of Christian activities is prohibited except in the church compound. In the church compound, we can do whatever we want. And the permission of the church building was given until 1986 only. After 1986, there is no permission to build the church anymore. And as for us, uh, uh, as we are doing a mission work in the mission field where there is no Christian. So if there is Christian community, uh, we cannot build the church anymore, and it is illegal to worship the Lord. So that's why. The government basically says, A, you can't have any religious meetings not inside a church building, and B, you can't build any church buildings. (laughs) So the churches that are there are ones that were approved and built before 1986. Yes. are those churches still active? Are they are they still working for the gospel? Uh, one of the biggest problem is that uh, the church is not doing the mission work, and the church is afraid of facing a kind of persecution, or uh, the church is afraid of calling them to the government office. I am surprised when I move to Tongji from Kalimyu in 2008. Uh, I, I took a, a paper uh, from my previous pastor to Tongji Baptist Church pastor. I went with that paper and I gave. And the pastor asked me what I am doing. I said, I'm missionary and we are sending missionaries to the unrich area in uh, nearby here. So he said, oh, that's very dangerous. 
the government can call you anytime and you can be arrested. That is not uh, allowed and converting people to Christian is illegal. So the pastor said, you can bring trouble to our church so we cannot accept you as our church member. Wow. Sad. Yeah, I'm in, in my hometown, the place I'm living now, uh, we are not a church member of any churches. Because you're a troublemaker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is happening, though, with the spread of the gospel? It seems like many are coming to faith in Christ. Uh, are they... What, it, what part of the message is reaching them? Uh, because uh, are they drawn by the love of Christ out of Buddhism, or are they drawn by the offer, the offer of forgiveness and, and the hope of eternity? What, what part of the message really resonates with the Buddhist heart and the Buddhist mind? I think that uh, Buddhists teach that uh, if you do good thing, you'll get good thing. So, but uh, as a human being, we cannot do good things all the time. And, and they know themselves that by doing good things, they won't be able to get to heaven. So when we share to them that uh, it is by faith in Christ that we can get to heaven and the substitution of Christ on the cross, when we share about that, it's a kind of something different for them, and when we share the love of God, uh, that is really powerful for them because they never, I think they never know that even their God, uh, Godama, God loves them or care for them. But when we share that God loves us and gave us his only begotten son and Jesus himself gave his life for us on the cross, it's a real uh, amazing story for them to hear and it's amazing that just by faith in Christ we all can get to heaven. What types of projects is Voice of the Martyrs doing in Burma to support the church and support the work of the gospel there? Voice of the Martyr Ministries support our missionaries uh, and our missionaries family so that uh, they, they feed themselves and they are ready to move to share the gospel. And the second thing is that uh, the Voice of the Martyr ministry support uh, Bibles, and we distribute Bibles to our uh, new believers. That really helps because buying Bible is not an easy thing in our mission field and in Myanmar because one Bible costs lots of money, and when they wages, in Myanmar is $2 to $3, when Bible costs like $15, so it's wow. not easy to buy. So it's great that uh, VOM provides a Bible, and VOM also provides us uh, some projects, projects like buying bicycle for our missionaries, buying motorcycles for our missionaries. As, as for our missionaries, we have got, uh, I think, eight or nine motorcycle already for our missionaries. Uh, personally, uh, I personally travel to many, many villages, sometimes 20 to 30 miles a day. We travel on foot with our missionaries 
uh, village to village and we share the gospel. And now when we have a motorcycle project uh, where we uh, travel on foot for two, three days, now we can travel in uh, one, two hours and we can reach many villages sharing the gospel uh, after having a motorcycle. And the good thing for motorcycle is that when someone is persecuted in a village, uh, our missionary can take them very easily to the safe place. And uh, when someone is uh, sick in the village, uh, previously we used to make a kind of a bed and we carry on our shoulder for like uh, one or two days to get to the hospital. Now uh, the motorcycle can take them very easily to the hospital within a, uh, an hour. And the third thing, the VOM project, uh, the fourth thing, VOM project uh, support is that building a safe house. So we we have got one project to build safe house uh, on the border of China. So whenever uh, our missionaries or our new believers are persecuted or Whenever the war takes place in uh, that area, uh, our new believers are not safe uh, for uh, the rebel army group because the rebel army group belongs to Wa, and they are kind of communists and they hate Christian. So when our new believers accepted Christ, uh, they, those rebels are their enemies. And at the same time, another group is the government army. The government army do not like those people group again. So they are in between. So whenever there is a war, we take them and we let them stay in our safe house. Uh, whenever there is a war or whenever there is persecution, we take them to the safe house. And another project is that sustaining project. So when I visited here in 2010, uh, I requested some sustaining project for fish farm. So they provide uh, some money to buy a land and to make the fish pond in Inlay. So in Inlay, particularly in Inlay, uh, the government do not allow any other tribes to come and stay there. So uh, we cannot send our missionary right in that place. We let them stay in nearby and they always visit and share the gospel. So after we... Uh, we made that uh, fish pond project, fish farm project. Uh, in the fish farm, when we are digging the fish farm, it's a hand, we have to dig <laughs> in hands. So uh, many people come, many neighboring people come to do work in the fish farm. And when they are working in the fish farm, we told them that every day they have to listen at least one hour a day, what we are going to share to them. And they said, yes, we make agreement. So. We share the gospel to them, and through our fish farm work, many people came to Christ. And at the same time, when we, when we finish the fish farm, uh, one of our missionaries can live on the fish farm as a fish farm worker. And he's the one who, who is taking care of all our new believers nearby. And at the same time, on the fish farm, we built a, a house and uh, a house, we built a very long house uh, uh, under which we put uh, uh, the boat. 
and in that uh, we make a kind of a house. So uh, that is the place we used to meet on Sunday for worship service. Uh, we have to move in different places. We cannot meet on Sunday in one place because if it is known by the government, uh, they will make a great trouble to us again, as they did many times to us. So we move to different so places. So you meet on the boat? Yes, uh, boat house. Ah, okay. So the fish farm provided employment, it provided economic support, mm-hmm. uh, it provided a tool for outreach, yes. uh, and a place for Christians to meet as well. Yes, and in every October or November, we we sell our fish from the fish farm, and uh, the money that we get from the fish farm, uh, we sometimes use to help persecuted uh, Christians, and we sometimes help to build a small bamboo house for those who are kicked out from their village. Uh, wow. because of their so quite a, quite a ministry out of one fish farm project. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we always want to challenge our listeners to do is to pray. Tell us how we should pray for Burma, how we should pray for uh, the mission workers there, the, the gospel workers in that country. First of all, I would like to say Thank you to all the listeners because uh, because of your prayers and your support, we can do all, all this kind of uh, ministry. Without your prayers and your support, we won't be able to do all these kind of uh, things. But praise God that you always stand with us in the ministry. And our prayer request is that uh, we all may be faithful to the Lord because uh, when you pray to escape from the persecution uh, again we will face uh, that kind of persecution for sure and uh, all we need is to be faithful to Christ to be faithful to God I think that's a challenging request because I think that's the same request we should pray for ourselves Lord help me to be faithful Uh, as well help my brothers and sisters in Burma to be faithful, uh, whatever we face, whatever challenge we face. John, I I appreciate so much you being here today and sharing, and uh, I appreciate your heart for the gospel work, uh, and God bless you as you go back and as you continue to serve him. Thank you very much. May God bless you all. Our listener question comes electronically this week from Sarah in Minnesota. Thanks for writing, Sarah, via vomradio.net. Sarah wants to know if she can go on a mission trip with VOM. Sarah, I love your heart for missions, your heart to serve by going on a mission trip, and I encourage you to pursue that calling that God is placing on your heart, but it probably won't be with VOM. Because of the difficulty of the restricted and hostile nations where we work, because of the security concerns for the Christians that we serve, VOM does not arrange mission trips. There's other ministries that do that. They can help you. A missions trip is a great way to increase your heart for the world and the people of other cultures and to serve the Lord. So I encourage you, find one of those groups, get on an airplane and go. I believe it will change your heart and could change your life. Thanks again for writing, Sarah, from Minnesota. If you have a question about VOM's work, feel free to send it our way. You can connect online at vomradio.net, or you can call us toll-free 
757-5069. You can listen again to this show. You can find other episodes of VOM Radio about China, Iran, or other nations at vomradio.net. My thanks to John Biak for being our guest, and thanks to you for listening in this week and continuing to remember those in bonds, as Hebrews 13.3 tells us to do. Keep praying for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, and we'll see you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.